We are blessed, church, are we not? I'm, uh, I'm, going, I'm going back to the chair. I got a little ahead of myself a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't want to say I had a setback in my recovery from a stroke in November, but I did uh, push it a little too hard, and I'm um, trying to be smarter. And this is, a, this is a big Sunday for us. We're excited about this as we talk about baptism today, which can be confusing. It's amazing, and we're going to try to take some of the confusion away this morning. And we're really excited about two weeks from today. It's Easter Sunday. I hope you know that. I hope it's circled April 9th. Um, and we're going to do something we've never done. We're going to baptize people during the service. If you were with us back in the day at the theater, we'd have to go outside after the service and hope for good weather, right? And then we, we used to baptize people out here in the cafe, and we're going to have the baptistry in here. We're going to baptize people during the service on, on Easter Sunday. It's going, to be, it's going to be beautiful. All right, so we're praying, and, and we're a praying church, right? So so much God is moving in our church as we become a praying church. Um, so if you're a praying person, would you begin to pray that God would move on Easter Sunday? And would you begin to be praying about who God might ask you to invite to join you here at Relentless on Easter Sunday? I think everybody at Relentless Church knows somebody that would say yes if you said, hey, would you come to church with me on Easter? People are just, their hearts are softer in our culture. They're just willing to say yes at Easter when they would say no any other time of the year. So be praying about who that might look like um, for you. I think there's two types of people in the room, those that have been baptized and those that have not, right? There's, uh, there's 92 people that have been baptized in the history of Relentless Church at Relentless, 92 people over eight and a half years. Isn't that beautiful? So I reached out to all of them directly or indirectly this week, and it's, it's cool to just like survey this room. Almost every row of, of this nine o'clock service is somebody that we've baptized sometime through um, the year. So I say there's two types of people, those that have been baptized, those that have not. It's a little more complicated than that, right? Because sometimes um, it's about when you were baptized, why you're baptized, and the circumstances around that. We'll get to that. Um, but we are uh, a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God. We've been moving for eight and a half years. God continues to move us. A movement has to go. And the movement is lives, new lives coming to Jesus and changing and being transformed and being who God called us to be as a church. Here's how we define the gospel here. When we talk about gospel-centered, it's this incredible news of our rescue and adoption by God through, through Jesus. This incredible news that is life-changing, right? And today I want to even simplify it more. The gospel is simply God saying to you, I love you. The news of the truth that God loves you. He knows your name. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows your story and he loves you. And he demonstrated that through Jesus and all that he accomplished for us. And I want you to understand because it's a decision day for some of you. You don't even know that and that's okay, but it's a decision day. And God has made the first move towards you, right? In relationships, somebody's got to make the first move, right? Um, I, I, was captivated by this young lady named Kelly when I was probably 12, 12, 13 years old. I, that, this young lady eventually became my wife because God is good, right? So I remember the first move I made, right? She was older than me. I liked older women. And uh, back in the day, anybody grow up in a church where you sat in pews? All right, the beauty of pews is you can sit a little closer. 
right? So we, uh, the young people all sat together in our church, like up, up close, up front. <clears throat> and it just worked out this particular Sunday that Kelly Wilson and I were side by side. And I'd been flirting and doing all the stuff you do at 12, which is be really annoying. That's how, that's how I, right? But this particular day, like there she is, and she's beside me, and there's a little space between us, right? Um, so my hand is here, and her hand is here at the beginning of the service, right? And we're, you know, she's listening to the message. I'm not. I'm a, right? It reminds me of all that I've got that's up against when you're up here talking and try to keep people's attention. Right, so I make a very obvious move early in the message, just moving my hand a few inches towards hers. Right, and every five minutes or so, I just inch real smooth, just inch myself over there. Like, and eventually, by the end of this message, my hand's going to touch her hand, and this is going to be the moment. Right, I'm making my move. So sure enough, like, because if she would have snacked back, right, that's like, oh, but she didn't. She just left her hand right there. It's like, if she's leaving her hand there, that's a, to me, that's saying, come on over. Right. So I come on over and right when I'm getting ready to, to touch her little precious pinky, she grabs my pinky and she looks at me. She says, I found your finger. And then let's go and puts her hands back. Who does that? I found your finger. Like that's what you like, I just put myself out there. It was obvious. I was coming towards you for 30 minutes. I felt like it was the worst. It was the worst feeling, right? You can't do that. When somebody makes a move towards you, you can't. I found your finger? Come on. Right? Sometimes when we talk about the gravity of the move God made toward us, I want you as humans, wherever you are, I want you to be honest with, like, what do you, what do you respond with? Because he made the first move. Here's how it says it in Romans 5. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the who? What's it say? The ungodly. Not the good people, the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before you cleaned yourself up, before you made any good decisions, while you were at your worst, Christ made his move. God made his move towards you through Christ. You can't not respond to that in some way. And some people have said to me, hey, he may have died for me, but I didn't ask him to do that, right? You may not have, but you needed that, right? If you don't understand your need for rescue, then none of this stuff we call the gospel makes sense. You are in need of rescue. Once you understand your inability to get to God on your own goodness or your own strength, you're helpless and hopeless in your own goodness. Once you understand that, you understand the need for Jesus. And when you understand the need for Jesus, you know that you needed him to come do for you what you could not do for yourself. This incredible news that he loved you so much that he would rescue you from sin, death, and hell, and not just rescue you, but also adopt you into his family. This rescue and adoption, that whole thing is illustrated. Your decision to believe that is illustrated in baptism, right? God knew we were visual people and he used all the senses. There's basically two ordinances that have survived 2,000 years since Jesus. This is crazy. Right, one we're talking about this week, one we're doing next week in communion, and then in two weeks we're going to see baptism, baptism and communion. Taste, feel, all the stuff. So he knew we were visual people. So baptism illustrates the gospel, right? The gospel is this incredible news. How did he rescue us? He came, Jesus came in the form of a, God came in the form of a human, and he was lifted up on a cross, right? He was lifted up. The, the, if you're in this reading plan with us, it's brutal what he went through for us, 
right? We're in a reading plan as a church. It's on our website, just the last week of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was lifted up on a cross. He was fully dead, fully buried, right? And then he came up. When he defeated death, he validated everything he said. He proved he was who he said he was, and he was bigger than anything. He defeated the one thing we have no answer for, for death. So he was on the cross, dead, new life. Baptism illustrates that. We stand in water and we're buried in a way. We die to ourselves and we're raised up as a new creation, a new life, a new species right now, belonging and adopted by God. It's a beautiful visual illustration of, of death to self. And it's kind of crazy if you think about it, right? That we summon pools, summon rivers and oceans and, in, and the way we do it, we'll have a little baptistry up here. Like to you know, get in your swimsuit or whatever you, you wear and, and stand in front of another group of people like many of you have and like let somebody dunk you in water. Like to, to an outsider, it's like, y'all are weird. What are you doing? It's a, it's a, it's a faith expression of a willingness to surrender your life. And just as Jesus died and rose again, you, that you believe that, that you're gonna be buried with him. As Romans says it this way, Romans six, do you not know all of us who have been baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. Isn't that beautiful? That just as Christ was buried and raised, we're buried and we're raised in newness of life. It's a whole new life. I'm gonna start in the, Peter also talks about this. I'm gonna start in the middle of a paragraph with Peter and he's gonna use the word it, in it, just so you know, what he's talking about is Noah and the ark. He's referencing Noah and the ark. And he says, in it, 1 Peter 3, the ark, only a few people, eight, were saved through water. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It, baptism, saves you by the resurrection of Jesus, who has gone into heaven as, an, as at God's right hand. All right, so... Let's, let's take a couple things from this. Water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Now, the water doesn't save you. There's nothing magic. The water that we'll have in here, it's not magic water. It's not holy water. It's holy um, because of what it represents. But it's the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. And it says it saves you. It doesn't, it's not that baptism saves you, but it saves you through the resurrection of Jesus, right? What saves you is Jesus, and baptism connects you with Jesus. You are buried with him. Right, baptism is a connection to Jesus. We've got, we're so blessed in this church. Most, most of this technology is not ours. It's owned by the, the landlord that does a lot of other things in this building. Um, and, and the screens and the projectors and the lights. Right? If we don't have power, it's all just nonsense. It's worthless. Right? If we don't have electricity. Right? The power of the gospel is in Jesus and him defeating death. We plug in to the resurrection of Jesus. Our baptism connects us to Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. It's that visual connection. It's beautiful, it's powerful. And it's our response to his love. If you wanna respond, if you're moved by God's love for you through Jesus, baptism is your response. Now, we talk a lot, and I use an example with Kelly, I'll use another example with her at the end of the message. And it's, you know, it, gets, it can get weird, right? If, we, if our analogy between me and Jesus is romantic love, because there's a difference between romantic love and and God's love. Let's look at a few differences. There's a lot of them. One, God knows everything about me. All right, you can't get that in a human relationship. Somebody who knows everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever done, the worst of you, the best, like everything 
there is to know, right? That God has access to our thoughts freaks me out sometimes, right? Everything that I've thought, he knows and he loves me. Second difference is God made me, right? Kelly didn't make me. It's a different dynamic, human to human versus the maker of my soul, the one who wired me and designed me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, right? So that's a difference. Third, there is unconditional love. We'll throw that around human-wise. I don't know if that's possible, humans to love each other unconditionally, right? There is, there is um, conditions that change things, right? And God said, it's not your performance that causes me to love you. I love you because I'm God and I am love. It's all about love. So you can't undo his love. It's not conditional on your response even. He loves you at your worst. Christ died for us demonstrates his love for us in this. While we're still sinners, he died for us. When, you're, when you want to respond to that love, when God makes a move towards you, what do you do? When you trust it and believe it and embrace it, then baptism is what scripture over and over again, when you see people come to faith, baptism is their next step. Um, my baptism story, you know, some of the men, they're, they're, we were talking about the other day, there's still men in this room that are relationally growing together because of our men's retreat. It just, there's so much fruit from getting away for a few days together. And we did our men's retreat um, last fall at uh, Park Springs Christian Camp. And that was the place I made a decision to follow Jesus. I was not uh, raised in church as a little guy. My parents didn't really know Jesus and they were looking for a church because they thought it'd be a good idea for us, but really came to Jesus in their late 30s. Um, so as an elementary kid, I was being exposed to this story of the gospel in different ways at church. And then I went to camp. I was nine or 10 years old. I was at Park Springs, and they explained the gospel in a way that I could understand it, and they did an invitation. And for a little guy in front of all like kids and girls my age, like that was, that was a big deal. But I, resp- I, went, I walked. You know, some of you grew up in that church where you walk the aisle. Like I went forward at camp. I was like, I believe this. Right? And it's crazy, right? As a nine, 10 year old kid of like, God came to earth in the form of a human and went to a cross and died on behalf of my mess ups and my sins and, and loves me enough to do that for me and then defeated death and I can be with him. And I just something, I can't exp- something in me was like, I want that. So I walked there, I went forward. They called my parents because they were going to baptize me at camp. And I was like, I don't know. I think I'd rather do it at church when I get back. So they were cool with that. So a couple Sundays later, I remember meeting with, um, uh, a pastor, his name was John, um, John Knoll. He's an awesome man of God, still a pastor today. But I remember so vividly being in his office, and there was this wooden table with a groove in it. And I remember him using his finger to explain to me repentance. The repentance is you're going this way, and then you turn around and go the other way. That's what repentance is. All right? And so I was understanding that as a kid, and I went and I said, the- said something along the lines of, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And I was baptized um, in, in church that day, and it, it was meaningful and powerful to me. When we, when we do the, the, the announcement that Chauncey did so well earlier, like that's not a small thing. We're talking about it's not that camp is magic. There's just something about getting away, getting kids today away from their phones, right, and getting away from life and the distractions of life. So these are the dates on the screen. If you've got a teenager, like consider this. And I know we already got plans, right? I know we got some tournaments that week and we're willing to, for our kids, that's an easy decision. We're, we're willing to skip a tournament in the summer in order to 
see God move in their lives. We just really believe in the power of camp. And, and, and it's really the power of Jesus. It's not the power of camp, it's the power of Jesus. And there's just something about it. So that's for uh, middle school. It's for those that in the fall that'll be entering sixth, seventh, or eighth. The high school trip is for those entering ninth, 10th, 11th, or 12th in the fall. And also seniors that are graduating can go as well. And like Chauncey said, if, if, if money, because it's not cheap, if money is a reason that you struggle to go, we would love to help you. We got money set aside for, for you because it's that big a deal. So um, there's limited spots. Uh, you get on the website. We'd love for you to have that conversation even today. Um, we believe God is going to, you know, there's something, if you've been paying attention to the news, there's revival breaking out among, on campuses, among young people. We believe these, this summer camps could be different than anything we've experienced. And I'm just telling you, young people, you don't want, you don't want to miss summer 23 camps. Um, it changed my life, and camp has come a long way from what it was when I went and what it is today. It's come a very long way, but um, that decision that I made as a kid, life hasn't been the same since. It hasn't been smooth, but a relationship, a real relationship began, right? And we're offering a response to that, an opportunity to respond to that today. You know, in the early days of Relentless at the theater, I would, I would do these invitations and real bold and come to Jesus. Come, and sometimes nobody came to Jesus. And I had some people, good people, um, just tell me, like, I feel bad for you, right? Because you're preaching your heart out there. You did, you did great, but, like, I'm sorry that nobody, nobody responded or raised their hand or whatever, right? And I tried to teach them, listen, it's, it's not for me. It's not about me. Right, it's it's I'm the voice of it, but don't feel bad for me. Right, this this gospel is real. It's changed my life. It's changed so many lives of people um, I know, and and don't feel bad. Our job as Christians is to present and allow people in their own time and in God's timing to respond or reject or whatever they choose to do. But the gospel is so good and so powerful. We just put it out there and we see it come through. That's why we planted a church as a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement. The focus on forever and the multi-ethnicity of our church comes out of the gospel. We just think the gospel's so strong, it can handle being the center of our church, the center of our lives, the center of our families. Like, it, it, can, it can carry that, right? The gospel, this incredible news of what Jesus came and did for us. Um, Romans says it best, one, it says, I'm not, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, starting with the Jews and then the Gentiles. In it, what's it? The gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Our faith makes us righteous, not our deeds. Our faith makes us righteous because we get the righteousness of Jesus when we put our faith in him. He, he gives us his righteousness when we trust him. And it's so powerful. We just gotta say it and live it. The gospel is the power of God for salvation, right? I don't have to say it perfect. I don't have to have the perfect story to pull at your heartstrings. There's a God who knows your name, who's alive and well and working in this room. And he's gonna speak to some of you who have already been baptized today. And he's speaking to some of you that have not been baptized. And he's calling you to make a faith decision to trust him in that way. And I don't wanna come off as the pushy preacher. You know, a lot of times these things, it's all about fear and a lot of words about hell, that's not us at Relentless, right? It's way better than that. It's about a relationship with Jesus. Um, I don't, I feel like I'm gifted. Some of you in the room are gifted as well. Um, real like pushy, um, 
people that come to your door or trying to hand you stuff out, like whatever, like I'm pretty gifted at shutting them down, right? I got no problem. I got, I got no problem. Even my wife says I'm rude. I'm like, you know, you knock on my door. You deserve rude, right? Get a, get a normal job. Um, but um, we were in Williamsburg a couple years ago. We went to Williamsburg for vacation. Don't judge. Um, and we were, we were checking into our cabin, our lodge or whatever, whatever it was. And all I want to do is check in and get my keys. And they're like, okay, if you come to this breakfast Sunday morning, all right, and we'll give you free breakfast. And I said, like, what is it? And it's like, it's a, it's a presentation. They're trying to, these, wherever we're staying, they're trying to sell you that. So like you buy one for a week, timeshare, whatever. And I was like, I'm going, like, that's not why we're here, right? We're, so I just simply said, not interested and started to walk away. She, Excuse me, sir. She had this great line I'll never forget. She said, you don't have to be interested. You just have to be present. Well, I'm not interested. I'm not going to be present either, right? But the power of the gospel, right? That's why we're telling you, invite, some, invite people that are like, I don't, I don't go to church. I don't do that. That's who you want to invite. They don't have to be interested. They just have to be present. That's how powerful the gospel is. When you live out the gospel, you're living out the gospel. The power of it can change somebody's life forever, right? When we verbalize the, the gospel and make it clear and compelling as it is, lives change. It's not about the delivery. It's about the core of the truth of the gospel. It's miraculous. So maybe you're not interested today. You don't have to be. You're here. And that's a big deal. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe your entire life led up to this day, March 26th. Is that right? 2023. I hope that's right. Maybe Maybe everything came to here. So, so I'm going to ask you a personal question. Where do you stand? All right? And I, I hope that you see yourself in one of these three C words. Maybe you don't. But I think everybody might find themselves in one of these places. One, conflicted. Right? Conflicted meaning, man, Jesus, did he, I'm sure he came. Did he actually die on a cross and did my sins? I don't even know. And did he raise from the dead? How can I know for sure? I don't, I'm conflicted. If that's you, like we started church eight and a half years ago with you in mind. We have a heart for what we call the untold and unconvinced. We want you to know that you can be a part of this. We want you to be patient. We want to be patient with you. If you're conflicted, we're not mad at you, right? We're praying for you. We believe the power of the gospel can get to you and will get to you. You just got to open your heart and your mind to it. If you're conflicted, we don't want you to be embarrassed. We don't want you to be ashamed. We just want you to stay around. And watch God do what he wants to do. He's got a plan for your life. Second is connected. Now that's used in scripture. That's a good word. I'm using it as more of a negative word today. Connected meaning associated. Meaning you would say, I loosely associate with Jesus. Right? I loosely associate. I think he's real. I wouldn't, you know, I would even call myself a Christian if it was on a test. Are you a Christian? Yes or no? I would probably check yes but there's a loose connection. But, but as we talked about a couple weeks ago, you wouldn't necessarily say you're living your life for him. And then third is committed, right? This idea of I am so overwhelmed again today as mercies are new again this morning. I'm so overwhelmed that God knows my name, that he loves me, that he would sacrifice the way that Jesus came and sacrificed and bled and died on my behalf, that he would go to that length to rescue and adopt me. I'm moved by that, and that I have to do something with that. I want to I respond. What do I do? I want to commit to him. When you're ready to commit to Jesus, 
you're baptized. Well, the first message that was preached after Jesus went to heaven was by Peter, um, who, you know, blew it in so many ways. He gives a lot of us a lot of hope. Um, so Peter basically preaches, let me summarize his message. He's preaching to a lot of the people that were there on the day they were yelling, crucify him. And he's preaching to them. He's like, hey, this guy y'all killed, he was the real deal. He was actually the Messiah, the chosen one, the predicted one, the prophesied Messiah that we've been looking for. He was actually the author of life and the son of God. And y'all killed him. Way to go, guys. Right? But there's hope because he raised from the dead and there's grace and he does this. And, and it says that they were cut to the heart. The people listening were like, God loves us like that. And even though we were behind his death, there's grace and forgiveness for us. It says they were moved and they were cut to the heart. And they asked Peter, well, what do we do? Like, what do we do now? We blew it. We messed up. What do we do now? His response is in Acts 2. Peter replied, repent, turn the other way, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and who else? And your children and who else? Relentless church. That's what it says. For all who are far off. When that was said 2,000 years ago, we were pretty far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Over and over and over again we see in Scripture. People's response, if you believe this stuff that we keep talking about with Jesus and the gospel, then you're baptized. There was a jailer who saw Paul singing these hymns as he was jailed, and then, and then the angel of the Lord miraculously broke Paul free, and Paul didn't leave because he was worried about the, what would happen to the jailer, so he said, you know, I'm just, I'm a, I don't want you to get in trouble, I'm going to stay here, and, and the jailer was so moved by Paul's love that he's like, I want to know more. He'd heard, and it says that Paul went and baptized the jailer and his whole family. We have this beautiful story of an Ethiopian official in Acts 8. Um, there's a guy named Philip who's a Christian, and it says, we're talking about the Spirit move among us, and like the Spirit will help you invite somebody to Easter. The, 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 the Spirit told Philip, go to this place and stand. <laughs> That's what he told him. He's like, go stand by that guy in the chariot, right? There was a guy, there's an Ethiopian, a treasurer in a chariot, and Philip didn't know the guy, and God just told Philip through the Spirit, just go talk to him. So he went up to the chariot and he hears the guy, the Ethiopian, reading from Isaiah from the Old Testament. So Philip asked him, hey, do you get what you're reading? Right? And the Ethiopian gives some of you some hope. He's like, man, I, I got no idea. This makes no sense. I don't know what this is talking about. And the scripture he was reading was actually a prophecy about Jesus. So it says in Acts 8 that Philip started with that very scripture, the very verse that he was reading Isaiah, and he told him the gospel. He told him the whole good news of Jesus. It doesn't tell us anything else, but we know baptism was connected to that because he told him the whole, we don't know how long the conversation was. We just know here's an Ethiopian dude who doesn't know much and Philip explains it to him. And the next thing we see is the Ethiopian say, hey, Philip, there's water. Why should, what would keep me from being baptized? Right? And evidently the answer was nothing because it says they got out into the water and he immersed them, baptized them into the water. And then he went on his way rejoicing. So evidently, there's not a test that you have to pass. Evidently, you don't have to memorize the books of the Bible. Evidently, you don't have to serve a certain amount of time to prove yourself. The Ethiopian went from, I don't get it. The gospel was explained. Here's why Jesus came. Here's what he did. And his response was, well, there's water. Why shouldn't I? You should. And they did. And it was immediate. And it was that day. All right, we see it over and over again. It's a commitment. It's a, it's a commitment to Jesus. You're committing yourself to him. You're choosing to die, right? It's a death to, it's really easy to live this life for yourself. That's real natural for us. 
It's giving up on that. I'm not going to chase my own. I'm going to, I'm going to let him and allow him to lead my life. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to be buried with Jesus. I'm going to come up a new life. And that's what we believe. We keep preaching and saying and singing each week. The comparison between the life where you live on your own in control of your life versus the life that you live with him in control, there's no comparison. You want this. You will want this. So many of our testimonies in this room are, I would never go back to this. All right, I don't want to live that life where I'm in control. Right? It's empty. Right? That's not what I was made for. We want this. When you're ready to make that decision of faith, baptism is your response. It says in Scripture, Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. Right? He doesn't kick the door down. He knocks. You've got to open the door to let somebody in. When you, open, when you let him in, when you're ready for him, then baptism is your biblical response. So if you're if you're in this room today, 9 a.m., and you've never been baptized, right? Um, I've had a lot of conversations with people through the years about this, and I've never heard someone give a, like, a legit reason. Like, I love Jesus. I'm, I'm all about Jesus, but I don't, I've not been baptized. Why? Right? It's very clear. Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. When he gave the great commission to the church, he says, all right, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to go into all the nations, multi-ethnic. I want you to baptize them, and I'll be with you forever. Right, so it's, it's what you do when you respond to the, to the gospel. I think some people get a little twisted on baptism because they think it's a work and they know enough about the gospel to know like, hey, Jesus did the work and there's nothing that saves us that is a, that is a work or performance and they think baptism is a work. It's not a work. It's a step of obedience to where you're buried with Christ and connected with him. So if you're a follower and love Jesus and believe that he died, believe the gospel in the room, you've never been baptized, it's time. Right? We, we actually, conveniently, will have water and baptistry in the room just two weeks from today. How, like, what's better than getting baptized on Easter Sunday? I got nothing for you. Some of you would say, I've been baptized, but there's a but behind it, right? Um, and those can be a lot. I, I was, I've been baptized, but I was a baby. I've been baptized, but it was a long time ago. I don't know if I did it for the right reasons. Um, I don't know if it counted, all these things. Um, listen. Um, here's what we always tell people. We tell people, if you're thinking about being rebaptized, you need to pray about that and allow God to lead you. If, he's, if you're telling us, I think God's telling me to be baptized for a second time, we're going to trust you and God on that. We're not going to turn you away. Now, unless you know, we baptized you, and then we would say, hey, we talked about this the first time. Because, <laughs> because if we get into this deal where hey, every time you make some bad choices or you drift from God, then you need to be baptized again, then we got to make every Sunday baptism Sunday, right? I'm getting dunked every week, right? So, and that's clearly not what scripture teaches. It, it, it teaches this is kind of a, a one-time thing, but it does scripturally need to be two things. It needs to be your decision and it needs to be about a commitment to Jesus. So be honest. Like some of us, maybe you, you look back like, yeah, it really wasn't about Jesus. It was about grandma right? Or maybe you were too young. And then we got to get into the whole baby baptism thing, which is complicated because it gets personal and it gets denominational. Um, the, the theology underneath that is, is troubling to me because the theology underneath that is this idea of original sin, meaning as soon as you're born, you've got sin issues. So people started baptizing babies just in case something happened to the baby, they'd be okay so their sin didn't send them to hell, right? The God of scripture that I've studied and, and gotten to know through my life, that, that does not match up. That, you know, that, a, that we gotta worry about what happens to a baby uh, when they die because of, because of sin, right? Sin is choice. So you have to be age of accountability, which I don't know what that age is, but it's not a baby, right? So 
Then it kind of evolved into some traditions, and this is some of your tradition, where people would baptize babies as a dedication, right? It's really not about the baby making a decision, it's about the parents saying, we're gonna dedicate this baby to, to God. So we've had a lot of conversations with people in our church coming out of that, and, and this phrase has really helped them that, that we started using, um, because they felt like I'm turning my back on what my parents did for me when I was baptized. And we say, hey, this is not replacing, this is not replacing, this is in addition, right? You can be thankful that your parents dedicated you to the Lord in whatever way, but that's different than biblical baptism where you say, I wanna commit my life to Jesus. Obviously, you can't do that as a baby, right? Baptism scripturally is when you come to the point of this is what I believe and this is what I want and I'm ready to commit. You can't do that as a baby, right? So you, is it rebaptism? Call it what you want, but it's baptism biblically of I'm committing to Jesus. Nobody's doing this for me. So maybe, maybe you got some circumstances. I've had people tell me, man, it was so long ago that I was baptized. I honestly don't even remember what I was thinking. How old are you? Right? I don't, I don't, I think it's important to remember the circumstances of your baptism. And if you can't, you can't. You need to ask God about that, right? That's why we have these conversations. And so many of you that I'm looking at in this service, I remember your baptism. There's beautiful stories in this room of when you were baptized. You want to remember that. And today we're kind of, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this already. Um, I reached out. We've baptized 92 people. I reached out to all of them this week just saying, hey, we're talking about baptism. I'd love to, to see you there this week. Um, so we've got all these um, beautiful stories. And we want you to, any t- if you've been baptized in the room, whether it was relentless or somewhere else, when we talk about baptism and when you witness a baptism like you will on Easter, man, it should do something in you. You should go back to your decision the day that you committed yourself to Jesus and were baptized. Um, if you're in the room, I talk to you if you haven't been baptized, if you were baptized, but there's a but with it. If you're baptized and there's no but, if it's baptized and it was legit, celebrate that right? Celebrate that. That's, that's a beautiful, powerful thing. We don't baptize people into relentless church. Just so you know, you're not, some of you come from a tradition where you got to get baptized to join the church, right? We don't baptize you into the church. We baptize you into Jesus, right? Now, when, when you're baptized into Jesus, you're baptized into his body. What is the body of Christ? It is the church, the body of Christ. So um, that's how you connect um, to Jesus. And Jesus says that we are his hands and feet. We are actually his body. So um, we don't have members here. We have partners. There's no member. If you run into somebody in the grocery store, it's like, yeah, I'm a member at it Relentless. They're lying through their teeth. We've got not one member, right? We've got partners, right? Partners are people that have committed to our pillars of partnership, to showing and giving and growing and bringing and serving. Um, and there's a covenant with that. Your path to partnership is through something called Welcome to Relentless. Um, we talk a little bit about partnership in that night. Our next one, we do one uh, once a quarter. We've been doing them on Monday nights, and we've got people that are, just can't do Monday nights, so we're doing it on Tuesday this time to try to hit some different folks with different schedules. But this is, a, what, a week and a half after Easter. So you can sign up for that on our website, 6.30 to 8.30, April 18th. If you're interested in taking a step towards Relentless or no more, maybe you went to Welcome to Relentless, but it's been so long you don't remember, come on back. Um, but we'd love for you to sign up so we know you're coming and know if we need to provide uh, child care. So that's how, you, that's how you officially partner with Relentless. Baptism is officially partnering with Jesus, right? And, and if you partner with Jesus, you partner with his church, right? There's always easy to find people like, I love Jesus, but his church, not so much. And usually that's from hurt. That's usually from a really bad experience where they were in a church and it didn't go well, right? And, and we're trying to be the church of Jesus where we love and heal and help people heal from their past 
hurts. We think that Jesus wants you to be active and connected to his body if you're connected to him. And there's unity in that, right? So this, this is what's crazy. Some of you, maybe me and you don't have a ton in common, but the commonality that both of us at some point, younger, young man, old, whatever, we both stood in water somewhere. Maybe you did it outside in a river in the good old days. Maybe it was in a church baptistry. Maybe it was in a portable baptistry like we use. But we've both stood in front of witnesses and died to ourselves. the same, what looks from the outside like such a weird act to be dunked by. We've both submitted to this thing that Jesus invented and said, this is what I want you to do. When you respond to faith, I want you to baptize, make disciples and baptize them into Jesus in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that we share that in common as brothers or as, as brother and sister, like we've both been baptized in the same Jesus. Scripture says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's such beautiful commonality. And that's the heart of the multi-ethnic church. Remember, God's not trying to make us the same. He's trying to make us one, right? And that's very two very different things. He doesn't wanna make us the same. That's not his goal, that we would all see the world the same, vote the same, have the same perspective, watch the same shows, cheer for the same teams. That is not in the cards. That's not, what he, that's not the miracle of the multi-ethnic church. It's not that he's trying to make us the same. It's that he's making us one. The unity, where's our unity come from? It comes in Christ. We were baptized into the same Jesus. We both died to ourselves. We, we all have bought into this new kingdom. It says we're a new nation, a new race. The scripture uses that language. We're a new race. How do you get in on this newness? This newness of life comes through your faith in Jesus and your faith in Jesus is demonstrated. He has come for you through Jesus. He made the first move. What's your response? Your response is baptism. And that unites us, that we're united in the same Jesus and he is making us his family. He is connecting us and uniting us day by day. Here's how Galatians says it. So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You've put him on. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor there's male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that crazy? We were baptized into Christ. We put him on, right? We've been rescued and adopted. So we've been rescued, which saves us from sin, death, and hell. But now we've been adopted into his family. He's our father. Right, if you're adopted into the family, now you're part of the, you become part of the family business. The family business is making disciples. It's untold, unconvinced. It's people that are far from God that don't know the gospel, inviting and bringing and watching people's lives change. It's miraculous. On Easter Sunday, the stories, I can't even imagine. I don't know, I'm saying this on faith. I don't know of anybody that's committed to being baptized on Easter Sunday yet, but I'm believing that's gonna happen. When somebody makes that decision and makes it public, it's miraculous. It's amazing. And look at this. In the first century, what divided people? right? Race, Jew and Gentile, status, slave or free, gender, male or female. Paul hits all three of them, right? In Jesus, we're all one. There's not, there's not slave, there's not status difference. There's not racial differences. There's not gender differences. Jesus unites us as one in his kingdom and we're baptized into him. That's a beautiful, beautiful unity. I was talking, I had a meeting with Raph our associate pastor and Seth, our worship director, I always point to Seth like he's back here, but he's always playing the guitar right there. And we were talking about our baptism stories a little bit. We're just so different. Seth was a church kid. He heard it his whole life, which sometimes is the hardest to really like commit to the gospel. So his story is being baptized young as I was and then kind of recommitting himself as a teenager. There's markers along the way. After your baptism, there's still markers of recommitment. Do I still believe this? Am I still committed to this? Um, you know, I shared my story. Raph's story was, 
you know, he came to Christ, I think he was baptized in his late 20s, something like that. So he was a grown man when he came uh, to Christ. Every time it's a miracle. There's no such thing. People talk about, I have a boring testimony. There's no such thing as a boring testimony. You believe that God came to earth in the form of a human, took your specific sin on the cross, on his body, and died a brutal death out of love, and then the only one who was ever fully dead and just decided, I'm not staying dead, and rose from the dead and said, now you can raise from the dead too when you die through the power of Jesus. Like, to believe that and commit to your life to that, it's not like, listen, we're not 30 years out. It's different back then in first century where you could talk to somebody who saw a risen Jesus. Yeah, I laid eyes on him. We're 2,000 years away from this event that changed everything. For someone to say, I believe that and I'm gonna commit my life to it and I'm gonna publicly demonstrate death, burial, and resurrection connection to Jesus through the gospel, through baptism, that, there's no such thing as a boring story of how somebody got to that. And, and yeah, there's, there's markers along your way. I had markers in my life. It was, at, it was back at Park Springs Christian Camp as a 16-year-old that I recommitted and really got serious and really committed my life to Jesus in a, in a way, not to get, not rebaptized, but just a commitment. Again, you always learn stuff after your baptism that you didn't know before. All of us do. We're all growing. Every time you learn something new about your faith doesn't mean you need to go back and get rebaptized. You're just building. You're stacking faith and you're stacking commitment. And you've got to come back to. And I think the question we're asking today of all of you that have been baptized sometime at your life at Relentless or not is do you still believe it? Like do you because it's about faith. Do you still trust that God actually came to earth in the form of a human, that he actually died on a cross and your sin was present, that he actually walked out of the grave. If you still trust that, then, then sometimes you need to recommit to that. Maybe, maybe you've drifted. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm sitting down today because it, uh, we had a trip. I was gone last week and I'm so, I just love that when I'm gone, I miss this church. You know how many pastor friends I have? Their favorite weeks of the year, their weeks they're not at their church, right? I missed y'all last week and I thank God for that. But I push too hard, so my, my health is such a roller coaster. I'm learning as I go how to do this. And, and how I'm getting through my recovery and, and everything I'm dealing with mentally and physically is the gospel. Like, that's how. It is the truth of all this stuff we're reading. If you're in this reading plan with us, it's brutal. It's just mockery after beating. We'll talk more about that next week on Palm Sunday. But I'm reminded as I read it that love is why he did it. If he was willing to, if he loves me like that, then I know he's with me on my darkest days on this earth, in this life. That's what's getting me through. I want to be faithful to him. I want to be faithful, you know, to the very end. I, I, I told you the story of my first move towards Kelly. I don't know how, I think probably 12 years old or so. Well, um, eventually God wore her down, as did I. And we started dating in high school. And then five years later, um, I called her father um, to ask if, if, uh, if he'd be okay with me popping the question to his daughter. And he was much kinder and more gracious to me than I will be if somebody, some jerk ever calls me asking that about my daughter. Um, Wayne, who's in the room, many of you know is Poppy, um, he said yes, so I, bought, I had the ring, maybe a little presumptuous, um, that he was going to be okay. So I had the ring. She, she kind of knew it was coming, but she didn't know it was coming this day. And uh, it's basketball um, you know, March Madness and all these crazy games. I need to admit and confess how bad it was with me. Um, I grew up a North Carolina fan here, um, then moved to Kentucky for college, and it was 
like dear friends, we almost went to blows many times arguing about college basketball. Like they were so mad that I was saying the stuff I would say about Kentucky. I was so mad that they would say the stuff they would say about my team um, and just living there and going to college at Kentucky Christian. Like March was, it was brutal. Like knocking on doors and talking so much trash. So when it came time to ask this woman to marry me, my thinking was, I can't do something that important in Kentucky. I've got to drive to West Virginia to propose because I wasn't going to do anything that important in the state of Kentucky. That's how deep it was. Now, nothing against the state or the people, like there's dear people there. It was all about basketball team, right? I just wasn't going to have that connection. So, and God and his humor, we ended up staying there 15 years after that. But I drove my wife, my about-to-be fiance, to Ritter Park in Huntington, West Virginia. Had to ring in my pocket. It was this beautiful setup. And um, back then, we didn't have iPhones, so there was no, like, videographer and all the stuff they do now all right so and I was confident this was like the girl of my dreams and all I was confident but when it came time to get on my knee like I got a little shaky like it was like the gravity of I'm about to like this is life this is I've never done this before I've never right I've, I, you know this it was just a weird emotions and I got on a knee right and thankfully uh, she said yes and it was Ritter Park, West Virginia, it was a beautiful thing. Um, and she said yes quickly. Some of these videos you see online of women just start crying. Don't do that, just say yes and then cry. Like, cause we don't know if you're crying is like, oh, this is gonna be awkward cause I don't wanna marry you. Or like, so she, she did it well and it was beautiful. But, but I just got a sense of like, man, I'm, man, some of you, like you're getting on a knee, you've purchased something expensive and you're asking, would you? Right now, the analogy of you know where I'm going. If Jesus is a gentleman, as Joy always likes to say, he stands at the door and he knocks. He purchased you with his blood, according to Scripture. Like he bled for you um, because he knew you would be hopeless without his sacrifice. But God loved you so much that he wasn't going to let you live this life hopelessly or aimlessly or without purpose or without relationship. He didn't want you to be orphaned. He wants you to be adopted and have your Creator as your Father. What is what is your response? I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Uh, we're going to do what we've done many times. We're going to close our eyes and raise your hand. I'm going to give you two chances. Don't, don't close your eyes yet. I'm going to get, I want to be clear on what we're offering today. All right, this is what we were led to do. One, we're going, to, we're going to see if anybody raises their hand like, you know what? I'm like the Ethiopian. I don't know it all, but I know enough. I want to commit to Jesus. I want to be baptized on Easter Sunday. I'm ready. All right, so that's one invitation. The other is for those that have made a baptism commitment to Jesus already, but you've drifted, right? I don't know if you've drifted or not, but you're, 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 you want to make a recommitment, meaning I, st- I, want, I just want to say before God, I need to say, I still believe what I believed. I still think he came for me. I still believe the essence of the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. I'm still committed to him, all right? So just close your eyes, bow your heads if you would. Let's let God do what he wants to do in us this morning. Father, you're so good. God, sometimes we feel, I'll speak for me, God, sometimes I feel like the crazy one because I'm all in on this, God, and you've just proven it over and over again in my life and the life of our church that I can trust this. I'm building my life centered on the truth that you did come for us through Jesus. You did die for our sins and you did raise from the dead. God, I'm trusting your spirit to move in hearts right now as we offer this chance to respond. God, would you just, Give courage and just give truth and clarity to people in this room. 
God, if there's anybody whose time has come to be baptized and they know it, they know that's their next step, uh, would you give them uh, the boldness to raise their hand on the count of three? This has nothing to do between you and me. This is between you and your response to a God who made the first move towards you. If you want to respond in baptism faith, and in faith through baptism, I'm asking you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If you're ready for baptism as your next step, raise it nice and high. He went to a cross for you. You don't have to have anything to be shy about. Beautiful. Thank you. You can put those hands down. If you've been baptized, it's not about the act of baptism. It's about where you stand with him. And you've, maybe you, you, you need to be honest and say, I've drifted. If you haven't drifted, don't pretend like you have. It's a beautiful thing if you stay tight with him. But if you've drifted away from that commitment and you just want to reaffirm that commitment today, then just do that by raising your hand on the count of three. You're just letting God know, I still believe what I believed when I was baptized. I'm still committed to you, Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. One, two, three. Okay, you can open your eyes. Come on, y'all. Y'all didn't see what I saw. The power of God in the gospel. We just got to live it and present it. And I'm, I'm, I'm moved right now because some, some of the hands, I know the stories behind the hands that I just saw. We've got people in this 9 a.m. service, several people that we're going to be seeing baptized on Easter Sunday. Yeah. Joining the family, making the biggest decision of life. And sometimes it happens like this where you put your hand up boldly like you did. Some of you need to have some conversations maybe at home or with us. We'd love to help you if you're kind of on the fence or have some questions. And then several recommitments to come back home to Jesus. I just thank God for it. Father, as we go, we just thank you. You're so present. You're so good. God, I can't count the, the hands, but I know I don't have enough fingers to count the hands in this room that either recommitted or are gonna be baptized. I praise you for it. God, thank you for still speaking to hearts today. I pray you do it again in the 11 o'clock service. I pray you build an excitement in this room, in this church, about what you're gonna do on Easter Sunday, about who you're gonna help us bring into this service and bring into um, the Easter relentless uh, experience. Just uh, use us this week, God. We just thank you for decisions that were made. Give courage um, to others that need to have conversations. God, we thank you for loving us so well and making the first move. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we go, um, if you want to talk, you can, if you're ready to be baptized, you need to make another move. You need to get on our website and go to the Connect tab, and then there's a baptism form under the Connect tab, so we know that you, we want to know who's getting baptized, All right? So, so go make sure you, you do that. You also can just come to any of us, to Joy or Raph and I, they're down here, in, uh, to Keisha, um, Seth, you can talk to any staff or, or leaders here, right? just say, I, I got some questions, you want to know more. We would love to have that conversation. Remember your Easter baskets. Um, remember um, whatever, oh, camp. Remember summer camp. That's a huge deal. And then next week, be excited. We're going to have a communion Sunday together on Palm Sunday. So we hope to see you here next week. Have a great week, church.